Ha, to our dear listeners in New York, you're listening to J-Root Radio, and we're here with, uh, with another show of Harayet Anolad, here with you, Abraham Barzilai, and this is, of course, broadcast live. Today is uh, Wednesday, 3rd December, December 3rd, 2014. Today, Be'ezat Hashem, I would like to speak about a um, very important issue, but as much as is uh, important, it's also hurt us. Because I know it's a raw nerve for some people, but we have to speak on it. Um, we all know that the relationship between husband and wife, between mother and father at home, actually has... Uh, a great impact on their child. And I know because of a lot of people talk with me about these issues, and I had a lot of conversation, deeply conversations, with uh, teenagers. Actually, uh, at this age, they know to explain and to define what actually uh, bothered them in childhood, and they all speak about one thing. They speak about the, the, the matter of less, lack of shlombait, um, good relationship between daddy and mommy. And today, Bezat Hashem, I would like to speak about uh, the impact of the, of the shlombait um, of the parent uh, on their child, and I hope that if we understand how much is uh, the damage can make caused by it uh, so great, so big, I hope we should find a way how to avoid um, the uncomfortable incident. But before we start, I would like to um, inform you the way you can contact us. Um, our text message, phone number 347-927-8398 for your question. That's 347-927-8398. If you want to listen to the live broadcast through the phone line, you can call 712-432-4217. If you want to call in and ask your question, 718-683-5858. You can also listen to our radio show uh, on my on my website abraham com, and you can also send us the questions through the website of abraham com, and we shall receive your question and without the sham um, take your question and give you the answer well the issue of relationship I would like to explain how much the atmosphere in the house by the relationship between father and mother can influence our children. We know that the first years of a child, it's actually very critical years because that's the first years that um, their personality actually designed. And the way you build, you design your personality in childhood, that's the way you're going to be when you will be adult. 
If a child raised up, grow up in a house, in a home that actually really tense and there are a lot of nervousness on the air, he actually develop uncalm personality. He's going to be very nervous. He may suffering from anxieties. We know a lot of kids has anxieties. In most of cases, it's because the atmosphere in the house. And when I'm talking about the atmosphere, I'm not meaning to speak about brothers and sisters. It's especially because of the relationship between the parents. Look, in the last week, I had a radio show here in Israel by a station which called, which called Kol Chai. On Thursday, I had a, a radio show there. And after this radio show, I got a lot of phone calls. And they all dealing with one thing. How can I fix the relationship between, between me and my husband? Because I see in my eyes how it's influenced my child. You know, the listeners, I spoke with one of the teenagers, and he told me, I can forgive to my parents for everything, but I cannot forgive my father for yelling at my mother. And when I spoke with his father, I asked him, tell me, how was your relationship with your wife at that year that your child was a little one? He told me, look, we had never uh, a nice relationship, but I can tell you it's not so worse. Here is the fact. We didn't divorce. We didn't divorce. We're still together. And I asked him, the very fact that you didn't divorce actually pointed out that your relationship was just great? So he told me, look, I got nervous very quick. This is my problem. This is my personality structure. I cannot change it. So what do you want from me? So I yelled at my wife, but I think my child, my children, go used to the fact that I'm yelling at house. And let's be honest. When we close our eyes, are we don't um, um, behave the same way? No. When we come, when we relax, and everything is going just fine, there's no something which burn me, which uh, uh, there is no any trigger to make me nervous. But what's going on when something doesn't work out? At the moment that I uh, needed something, my wife didn't need it. Then what? Or when you want something and your husband refused to do, how you respond? Are you reactive? We have to remember that we have children aside, and they experience any single sign, even even by sign, if something is error with your relationship, 
and in most of cases, and in most of cases, children internalize their feeling. They really care to admit they have they experience some problem at home. And actually, the next stage ahead is some uh, some disorders with their social uh, skills, with their uh, society, it has some problem. They retreat. And that's why. You know why? Because having experience, hard experiences in childhood has very huge influence on them. Now, I know, and I am aware of the fact that some parents have issues between them, and they really fool with painful feelings, and they know I hurt my child, I affect his function, I know I can see it in my eyes. I think if you don't blind, you can see how influence you have on your child. But they ask themselves how we can fix it. How many times we tried to make some peace, to recover our relationships, but it doesn't work out. It doesn't work. So what we can do, if we don't have Shalom Bayit, that's it. Our Chinuch is getting down. Is this total lost case? And we want to tell today, no. It's not total loss. You can do something. And that's what we want to learn in this radio show. <sighs> you know, there is some of the uh, uh, method how to treat some kids with mental issues. One of the very popular uh, methods says you can treat a child through playing with games or through uh, uh, taking care of small animals to play with them, to treat them. And through this therapy, you can actually uh, help the child. I would like to say a few words about this method and to explain how it works. And I would like to tell you that actually, um, if we just embrace this method, but, the, but in the right way, we can gain uh, a lot of benefit to that. But I know that it's a very common uh, system, and a lot of uh, schools has a section with treatment uh, treatment with uh, animals, small animals. But unfortunately, not everybody who treats actually getting down deep to know what this method actually says. And that's what I would like to speak and to tell you today. You know, each one of us, the adult, has his own personality, has his own identity. But it's not so uh, certainly. 
I mean, um, our our personality, the base of our personality, actually, we purchased. We purchased when we was when we were a little children. That's right. But after that, um, but after that, we have we use actually during the day we use with a lot of identities. And let me to try to explain you that. Let's say that you are a manager and you have one hundred workers in your factory. But you also a husband and you also a father and you also son of a couple uh, uh, old men. During the day, you use different identities in your behavior. I mean, when you're getting to work, you are the boss, you are the manager here. You have your firmness, you have the responsible, you have your strong personality, your assertive, you know how to work, you know how to speak. You are a different person as you like as a husband. When you, in the end of the day, you went out of the work and you're getting into your home, you have a different identity. I mean, it's not total different identity, but it's really different. There are some managers, when they come home, just like, they just like a pussycat. I mean, they just like a, a quiet animal, very scared from their wife. Yeah, yeah. It's also happened. We have to remember that we use a lot of identities a day. And when you leave your house and you're going to visit your old parents, then you have a different identity. The way you speak with them, the way you act with them, is totally different from the way you're talking with your wife or you're talking with your, uh, uh, your workers at work. We use a lot of identities a day. Now I'd like to tell you a story. In Milchemet Amifrat, uh, the Bay War here in Israel, uh, it was about 20 years ago, we had a lot of scares here, a lot of anxieties. We didn't know what's going to happen. The war with Iraq, and Iraq actually sent 39 uh, uh, missiles into Israel area. I was a little kid, and I remember that. Milchemet Amifat, it's called in Hebrew. And then one of my rabbis actually used to pray, had used to pray in one of the shuls in the neighborhood. And in the last night, when actually the war began, tomorrow morning they came to Tfilat Shacharit. And they all, all the people, all people, all the prayers was actually 
with uh, how to say in English, zakan. They had zakan. Breathe, I think, of pride. And um, and just one of them, very, very um, uh, important, um, one of the Avrahim, the most important Avrahim, he actually shaved his beard hair. And he was the only one. And when he came in to the, to the Tfilat Shacharit, he was very embarrassed. He's the only one who was afraid because he had to wear a special mask. You know, in Minchemet Amifratz, we had to wear a special mask against uh, um, uh, toxic gas that we was afraid that actually built in the, those missiles, biologic attacks. So, someone who had uh, uh, beard hair cannot wearing this mask, this gas mask as well. So he was the only one who shaved his beard uh, hair. And he was very embarrassed. After that feeling, he came to my rabbi and told him, look, i really scared and i really ashamed from society. What can I do? What can I do? So my rabbi told me that he knows this Avrech. He knows this guy. And he knows that he is really a man. He doesn't scare. He managed his life beat as well. No problem. No issues. Right now, this is a specific uh, fear from the new situation, situation of war. And he asked him, what can I do? Can you help me? So my rabbi told him, look, I'm ready to help you, but I want you to pay me. Whatever you want, how much you want. He opened his wallet. No, no, no. I don't want you to pay me money. But I want you to pay me by a deed. What do you want me to do? Look, one floor above of your, of your apartment, there is couples, old men, men and women, and they really had, takes time to get into the um, uh, closed room. You know, we used to be in very closed hermetic room because the fear of uh, toxic gas, biologic attack. So it takes time for, time for them. I want you. At the moment you hear the siren, the alarm, I want you to get upstairs to the next apartment and help them to reach that room as soon, as quickly as possible. Are you able to do that? So he said, of course. I, of course, I'm ready to do that. No problem. But you promise you're going to help me. I promise, but I want to see you first. Make your part of this deal. And really, next time the alarm uh, was heard, the first thing he did to go upstairs and help those old men and women to reach into the room, and he was sat in the room with them. And in Hebrew we say, 
וראה זה פלא. It was just like a miracle. In a few days, he lost all his anxieties and fears from this situation. You know why? Because the last time this Avrech remembers situation of war, it was when he himself was a little child. When we leave a situation, when we was a little child, and that situation didn't repeat for a few years, meanwhile, we're growing up. And when that situation, the previous situation, came back, it actually threw us a few years back to our childhood. You can be 14, you can be 40 years old, or maybe 50 years old. And when you come to visit your old parents, suddenly you feel change in your personality. Suddenly you feel, hey, wait a minute. I don't like my mother has a criticize on me. You know, when mothers decide to criticize their child, it's going to be until she dies. That's the way. We all know there are, there are a lot of adults, it's very difficult for them to visit their parents because they always criticize them. Why are you wearing that? And why you didn't do that? And why you didn't do that? You know why? Because the last time you remember your parents, it was when you was one part of the family before you got married. But when you got married... You open a new life, a new option. Your personality has been changed. Ten years more and more ten years, you know what's happened? When you're going to visit them, and they actually start to complain on you, or they say comment or criticize, you, they actually throw you back to your life. childhood, to your teenager, teenagers, then you feel so hard. And I know a lot of adults doesn't want, don't want even to visit their parents because of that bad feeling. So the last time this Avrech remembered himself in a situation of war, it was when he was a little one. Right now when it happens again and he's, old, and he's already 30 years old, he feels like a little child, little scary child. He changed his identity. So the idea behind the, the pay my rabbi asked from him, the idea was to change his identity and even... When he hears the alarm, he will still stay in adult personality, in adult identity. So he asked from him, take responsibility to take care of this couple, one apartment above you. When he knew he has a responsible, he has to do something. It's on, pers- it's on responsibility on him. So he actually stay on the identity of the adult instead of being changed to identity of a childhood.
this idea actually has a lot um, influence on of on 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 our life. Let's say that you are driving a car, and suddenly an officer stands aside and tells you, "Pull over! Give me your license." And the first time, there is job dividing here. I mean, the job of the officer is to yell at you, to tell you how you drive. You didn't turn on your, your lights. You didn't uh, 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 hold your seatbelt, whatever. And the job of your is to be the poor one who just begging for his life, please don't, please don't give me a ticket right now. That's right. That's right. But I have a suggestion for you, dear driver. Just try to make the situation upside down. When the officer stepping toward your car, he expects to find a scary man begging for, don't giving him a ticket. You just try to change the situation. When he came to you, just try to pretend yourself like a silly teenager and tell him, wow, I can't believe this. How do you know how many miles per hour I drive? How do you know? How did you know it? <laughs> you can recognize in the first time the officer doesn't know how to respond. He didn't expect this response of your. Then he may explain you, I have a special camera, and I shoot 10 pictures a second, and, and if you will be nice, and you will express your interesting, hey, can you tell me and, and how, how long you have to learn for that, to qualify to use this uh, uh, camera gun, and how it works? And suddenly you're getting to be his friend. After a while, when you're so his friend, you're really impressed by his great smart, how he knows to use this special camera, which tells him how many miles per hour you drive. You're, you're just like his fan, how he can give you a ticket. Did you notice what we did right now? We changed the situation. And the same principle we can implement in our home. When you change some situation, you can fix the creativity's idea to make change you changes in your child's life. You want to know how? You have to stay with us. Let me to remind you, a phone number for your text messages, 347-927-8398. That's 347 347- 927-8398. If you want to call in, 718-683-5858. We are going to a small musical break, but right after that, I promised you, we have a special story, very touching story for you, the listeners. And after this story, we shall speak about it and about the influences and about the, the new principle that I actually expose in this radio show how we can change some situation and actually 
change the identities of my son and myself. Stay with us. We're going to a small musical break. We'll be with the special story right away. Bevakasha. <laughs> Salute, Levacha. 
in a newspaper of Mishpacha a few weeks ago. I think it's very important to us to read it. I sit down in the waiting room, my stomach feeling vagued and unsettled. And after a few minutes, a door opens and a really tall, long-haired guy wearing shorts and flip-flop emerges. I figure this surfer guy must be Dr. Anderson's client. But then, the guy walks over to me, holds out his hand and says, Hi, I'm Scott. Are you Mordechai? I nod mutely. This can't be Dr. Anderson, the famous trauma therapist that my parents somehow dug up for me. Nice to meet you, he says. Come with me. I can't believe this, I think to myself as I follow him to his office. This is the last time I'm coming here. When I walk into his office, I get another surprise. The room is painted like a tropical rainforest with fake palm trees leaning one wall. There is a stream of water flowing through the room, complete with fountains and waterfalls. The sound of water, the warm lighting and the fresh forest smell make me relax involuntarily, even though all I want to do is bolt out of the office and get back to civilization. Scott motions to me to sit down on a leather couch 
and again I start to feel acutely self-conscious. What does this guy think of me? I wonder. He probably never saw a yeshiva kid before. Scott started talking to me. I don't even remember about what. And before I know it, the conversation is flowing. I tell Scott about my daily schedule, explain to him what it's like to be a yeshiva bochur and tell him some basic details about my family. When my watch says 3.30, I stand up to leave. Wait, says Scott. I want to hear more. It sounds like you have had a really interesting life. I like to give lots of time for a first meeting with a client. So, I don't have anyone scheduled for a while. I won't charge you any extra, don't worry. I'm shocked. I've been to quite a few therapists in my life. There is reason I go send to this hippie guy. My parents were desperate and never was I asked to stay longer than the scheduled time. Flustered by the feeling that Surfer Scott is actually interested in me, I blurt out, You barely know me, but from the little I told you about myself, what do you think I have the potential to become? Scott eyes me steadily. I think that once you figure yourself out and work out your issues, you will become a really great rabbi. And amazing rabbi, he emphasizes. I stumble out of his office in a daze. Me? A rabbi? A great rabbi? An amazing rabbi? I'm the guy who's terrified of being called up for aliyah, for Sefer Torah. I'm the guy who won't ask a question in shiur. I'm the guy who texts on Shabbos because it's easier than talking to people. When I went to other therapists, I was deeply embarrassed and I couldn't get past my own shame and open up to them. I couldn't explain to them that my Hilul Shabbos had less to do with religion and more to do with social anxiety. My parents and Rebbeim saw me as a kid at risk when really I was just paralyzed by my own shyness. I knew that, but I couldn't tell to anyone. Now this surfer hippie therapist tells me I'm going to be a great rabbi. Well, what does he know about being a rabbi? He doesn't know that you have to keep Shabbat to be a rabbi. But I'm going to see him again. Even if it's a colossal waste of money, I want to hear why he thinks I'm rabbi material. I schedule another appointment. This time, we started talk about my childhood, but we keep going in circles. He asks me questions, and I give short, vague answers until he started feel like a broken record. The way I often do when I am with other people, I feel stuck. Let's try to continue a different day, Scott advises. We schedule another appointment. The next time, the same things happens. I'm numb. I can't talk. Scott comes at me from all different angles, trying various techniques that I recognize from my previous therapy experiences, but we get nowhere. 
By the end of the session, I'm very frustrated. What can I do to get unstuck? Maybe we should do a really long session, he suggests. Then we will get to the bottom of what's blocking you. When I show up in his office the next time, the first question he asks me is, what's your favorite song? My favorite what? I ask blankly. Your favorite song. He repeats, there is only one song that I really like. I think to myself, but I'm not telling this guy about it. It's a Jewish song, I say evasively. Okay, he says, what is it called? Um, Koersov. Next thing I know, he hands me a microphone. Stand up and sing, he instructs. I remain frozen in place. I wouldn't sing a solo in front of anyone. The only time I sing alone is when the door to my room is locked. No one else is in earshot. In front of Goy, I'm certainly not singing. Come on, he says. I really want to hear you sing it. Uh, I can't. Why not? Trust me, I say. This song wouldn't interest you. He turns to his laptop, goes to YouTube, and before I know it, the soulful strains of Koersov fill the therapy room. This is a batty, I think. Scott listens intently. Wow, he says when the song finished. That's a really powerful song. It's full of feeling. I can see why you connect to it. Now, I want to hear you sing it. I sit there like a stone. What's stopping you from singing it? He asks. I shift uncomfortably. It's a song that some Jewish people sing on Friday night, I explain. Mostly Hasidic people. It's not the kind of song I would sing in front of... In front of me? He asks. I feel my face flash. I note. So when do you sing it? I sing it when I am guests at someone's house Friday night and other people are singing it. If you would be with Hasidic people and they ask you to sing it yourself, would you? He probes. I shake my head. No. Why? I shrug. I don't know. I just can't. I see, he says. So you're locked in this area. If you're locked in this area, you've probably locked in other emotional areas too. Maybe if we get you to sing the song, we'll manage to unlock you. For the next two hours, I stand there trying to sing the song. Just sing, I urge myself. Then this torture will be over. But I can't. In between attempts to get me to sing, we talked about a lot of things that happened in my life. Why I start to freeze when I'm in public. What was the first time I remember feeling that way? How old was I? Where was I at that time? Who else was with me? What day of the week was it? That last question 
touch a raw nerve. It's Friday. I yell. I don't know what's happening to me, but I run to the corner and duck down on the floor with my hands over my head and I start shrieking. Stop screaming at her! Stop! Stop! Stop screaming! It's late Friday afternoon in my house. My mother is washing the floor and my father walks in, making brown tracks all through the hall. Yael, she shoots. Why is the floor wet? My mother rushes over with a mop. Oh, oh, she stammers. Here, I will dry the floor. Come, sit down. I will give you something to eat. Why do you always have to wash the floor just when I come home? He said. My mother's face reddens. I, I'm sorry, Ephraim, she says. I didn't think you were coming home yet. I'll try to wash it earlier next week. I'm standing right there. And all I want to do is speak up and say, But you did wash it earlier. Last week Abba came home an hour later. But I'm mute. Dumb. I can't get a word out of my mouth. You just don't think! He screams. All you do is make me trouble. It's not truth. I want to cry out. Emma works so hard. Don't scream at her. Stop screaming. But my throat is tight. My mouth is parched and I can't utter a word. Stop screaming at her. I holler the words until my throat goes hoarse and my body goes limp. Then I start writing on the floor, my body angle-fed in pain. I feel like I am 8 years old again, utterly helpless and vulnerable. I must have lost it and gone crazy, I think. Scott doesn't say, I understand, or I know what you are feeling, the way some of my other therapists did. He just squats down on the floor beside me and says, Wow! This must be really painful. I sit up and stare at Scott, not quite believing what I'm hearing. You mean my pain is real? You mean someone actually recognized that I'm suffering? For the first time in my life, I feel that it's okay for me to be in pain. Any other time in my life that I started to feel pain, I told myself that I am ungrateful, overreacting. So you trained yourself not to feel pain. Scott observes after I compose myself somewhat and sit back down on his couch. Instead of feeling the pain, you didn't yourself against it. He runs his fingers through the waterfall. What happens when you become dead to pain, he explains is that you become dead to positive emotions too. You just don't feel anything and then all sorts of wellsprings within you run dry. Your creative expressions is squelched to the extent that you can't even sing a song or get an aliyah, I think, or speak up in shiur or even talk to a friend on Shabbat instead of text. 
I don't know what caused this emotional blockage. Scotch continues. But I'm guessing that your parents' relationship might have something to do with it. We talk and talk. I explain to Scott what Shabbos is and what Shabbos and Erev Shabbos looked like in my house. I tell him how I always dreaded Shabbos because Abba was home all day instead of being out at work. I tell him how my mother was always docile and submissive, falling over herself to please my father. She's almost survived, I reflect. She worships the ground my father walks on and she lets him walk all over her. It sounds like your mother has no self, Scott remarks. And you suffered for her all over the years. Exactly, I say. I always wanted to protect her, to stand up for her, but I couldn't because I was just a kid and it was none of my business and I felt somehow responsible even when it had nothing to do with me. Scott nods and doesn't say anything. We sit there for a few minutes quietly and then he hands me the mic again. Sing. He urges. He turns his back slightly, so I'm not facing him directly. I pick up the mic. There is a big lump in the back of my throat, and I have to clear my throat several times before I can even get out a syllable. I begin my voice all crackly and off-key. I stop. This time, my voice is clear, the tone truth. Hashem, I long for the sweetness of Shabbos. I see Scott, but he is not really there. My voice gains strength as I sing. There is no one else in the room. It's just me and Hashem. I sing from the depth of my heart, a place I didn't know existed until now. Before, when I sang Ko Echsaf at people's houses, I just felt strainings of something. But nothing compared to the powerful yearning I feel now. I let my voice trail off at a song ends. Let my soul too find refuge in the shadow of your wings. The session is over. Scott doesn't say a word. He just escorts me down the corridor to the main door of the office. I sit down in a bus in front of Scott's office, wondering whether my father would ever understand what he's yelling at my mother on Friday afternoon has to do with my Hilul Shabbos. It doesn't really matter, because now I want to keep Shabbos. 
Scott thinks I'm going to be a rabbi. Great rabbi, I remind myself. I don't know if I'm going to be a rabbi. I do know one thing. One day I'm going to have a real Shabbos table, a place where everyone will feel safe and respected and loved. And I will sing Ko Ersov every single week. ומרתק. בעיות של משמעת חריפות מאוד, אימפולסיביות אם נקרא לזה כך, רגזניות יתר ותגובות כוחניות, אם זה בהרמת ידיים, אם זה בהצקות לחברים, התנהגות שהיא פרועה והיא לא רגועה. ומרגש. אף אחד לא נותן תשומת לב למה קורה בנפשו הפנימית של הילד. הוא נוגע ישר בנקודה. לא. ניתן לכפות לעולם תהליכים נפשיים על הילדים. והחודש הוא נוחת בניו יורק. רדיו ג'יי רוד, בשיתוף ארגון שמעיה, שמח להודיע על בואות של הרב אברהם ברזילי לניו יורק, הרצאות מרתקות ומעניינות בנושא חינוך ילדים. בנוסף, כל הרצאה יינתן זמן לשאלות ותשובות בקהל. אמא ואבא יקרים, זוהי ההזדמנות של פעם בשנה להיפגש עם הרב באופן אישי ולקבל ייעוץ והדרכה עם תוכנית פולו-אפ. מיוחד עבורכם. אסור לכם לפספס את זה. התקשרו עכשיו לטלפון 347-893-9994. יהיו גם חוברות ודיסקים חדשים לגמרי. פרטים ותאריכים מדויקים יתפרסמו בהמשך ובמהלך הביקור. הרצאות יתקיימו בעברית ובאנגלית. This is jrootradio.com, the Jewish station that listens to you. Check out our feature-packed website or download the Jroot Radio Pro app available for Apple and Android devices for a one-of-a-kind interactive Torah learning and Jewish music experience. Also remember, you can always listen to us live at 712-432-4217 or access thousands of shows at 718-4217. 506-9099 The Jewish station that listens to you JewRadio.com I believe that a lot of people um, 
suffering, um, I don't know which level of suffering, but suffering at this point. And Bezad Hashem, today I would like to speak about the uh, solutions for this issue. Well, um, um, before we start, we continue uh, with our radio show, just let me to remind you, as just as you uh, heard in the advertisement, and Bezat Hashem, uh, at this month, in the end of December, we should start uh, a new parenting course, uh, morning studies and evening studies in New York. And uh, it's going to be in Brooklyn in English and in Queens in Hebrew. Uh, Brooklyn, it's uh, morning uh, studies. And um, and in Queens, it's uh, evening studies. Um, so all details, and if you want to register to the parenting workshop, you can do it right now, now because it's really limited spots, and we have some few last spots. So the phone number, 347-893-9994. I repeat, 347-893-9994. You call this number, and without a sham, you, can you make a registration to our new course in the end of this month, in the end of December, we started, and we have few last spots. This is your opportunity to be there. Well, <clears throat> we talked about identities, and we talked about the bad influence of parents' relationship on their children. Now, what the first one has to do with the second topic we raised? A few years ago, there was a teenager girl that decided to be secular, to be chilonit. And she actually was lived in a very Haredi home, very Haredi home, very orthodox home. And she started to uh, play some uh, non-Jewish music on full volume and to wearing uh, unsnewed uh, clothes, and their parents didn't know what to do. The father asked one of the advisors, what do you suggest to me? How can I struggling with that girl? She's already a teenager, and she has, she makes very huge bad influence on the rest of her, of her brothers and sisters, and how can I struggling with that? And have a listen what that advisor actually suggests that father. He should suggest him and told him, look, next time she play music on full volume in there in her in her room, you're gonna step on the table in the living room and start yell kukuriku, just like a turkey. He didn't understand why, but, you know, he was a type that always going by the book. And he did it. Next time she play uh, music in full volume, he 
uh, he climbed on the table, standing on one leg, and start say, Kukuriku, Kukuriku. His daughter saw it, and suddenly she got scared. She turned off the, the music, and she came to his father and said, Daddy, what happened to you? What happened? And he says, I don't know. Uh, I, know what, I don't know what's going with me, but I feel that at the moment you play the music, it makes me to behave some unusual. I hope everything is just fine with me. Well, that girl actually came to the uh, to to get a consultation to know what can I do with my father, and of course she stopped these effects. Now I know it's not a deep solution; it's not a real solution. It just help us to fix the concrete, uh, the specific situation right now, right away when something is really bothering you. We have to use some uh, sophisticated ideas how to deal with the specific situation that actually raised right now. But it's not uh, uh, the deep and the basic solution for that problem. But let's see what happened here. That father just take the situation and put it upside down. When your child starts to behave in a negative way, actually in a hiding place in his heart, he expects for automatically response of you. When you suddenly uh, make a response that the response is unaccepted by your son, you actually surprise him and you pull off all his uh, situation that he actually wanted to create. I mean, let's say that you are a teacher in a classroom, and you say, please open your notebook. And one of the students say, I don't want to open. What are you going to do with me? This is a great chutzpah, right? right? But besides the chutzpah, he wants to create a situation which you ask for something, and he refuses and he is going to be stronger than you. That's what he expects for. If you just try to choose another response as a teacher, the total opposite that the students actually expect for, you will see that his mask actually falls down. The same principle by the officer that tells you, pull over, give me your license. He expects to see scary man which begging did not get a ticket. When you have some issues of discipline in your home, how many times you told your child, please get into the shower? And he says, no. And you say, I told you get into the shower. I'm going to punish you. We spoke about the punishment in the previous lecture. You can find it on, a, on the website, abraham-bazilai.com. You can find a lot of lectures there. And you say, I'm going to punish you. And he say, I don't care. And you say, just wait. Your daddy will come in the evening. I'll show you what it is. 
I show you. I will show you what is the result of your behavior. Do you believe it really have help you? You know it doesn't help. But your child actually catch a place. He actually perform the bad guy. He wants to be the bad guy right now. Okay, this is the situation he wants to be in. And when he got this place of the bad guy, you automatically take the position of the, the, the worsened guy. No, I will show you. No, I will show you. And you have a fight. But your child actually, in his subconscious, he expecting for the same response that you always actually act when you see him undisciplined. I have an idea that you can try to implement from right now. When they come back from school, you can try it. Tell your child some order of discipline. I want you to take a shower. And he, say, he says, no, I don't want to do that. Okay, it's chutzpah. Look at him for a long moment and try to have a smile. And then getting close to him, pat his head and tell him, you're so cute when you try to, to refuse my order. I want you to take a shower with a large smile. Just try and be aware to recognize in the first second of your response, you will see his mask falling down. He doesn't know how to respond. He doesn't know how to expect it. That's why I'm telling parents, when your child refuses uh, to follow your orders, don't yell at him. Just tell him one smart sentence. Tell him, Look, my dear son, by the rules of the world, son has to follow his parents' orders. Right now, I'm going to leave you, but I want you to know, don't think that I just skip. Don't think that I'm giving up of my demands. I have, another, I, I have other things to do right now at this time. That's why I'm not standing here and telling you, do it, do it, do it, okay? But the very fact that I leave you now doesn't mean I forget, I, I, I giving, I giving up for you. I still want you to imagine that I'm standing here and ask what I demand from you to do. And that's it. Make a U-turn and leave him. You left him with the bait with a bad taste, with a bad taste. He wanted to create a situation that you say do something, and he says, I'm not going to do that, and there is like a fight, and he's going to win the fight. You have to take the situation upside down. Change it. Surprise your child. Surprise him with your response. Don't let him to manage the situation. You will be the leader of the situation. He expected for punishment. He expected for yells, maybe for a slip. 
the Jew didn't use all these famous uh, principles of education. You just told him, by the rule, you have to behave. And if you doesn't, you're not going by the rules of the world. He didn't expect this response. Please try to surprise your child. Don't use the old-fashioned response. No. Try to be creativity. Try to create another response, more effective, more giving benefit. Just try it. You will see changes right away. And that's the point we reach to the topic of parents' relationship at house. I know sometimes we have clashes between mother and father. Sometimes we have fights or maybe we loud our voice at home. But your children experience that experiences very badly. Even when you fight with your wife, and when you fight with your husband, both of you want to protect your children. Both of you don't want to affect his function, to hurt his personality, to affect his critical years of personality design. You don't want to do that. Even if you have the worst fight in your life. You don't really want to do that. Just try to change the situation. I mean, if you're already going through this situation and you feel that you don't know what to do, you have to be aware of the fact that your child actually expecting for fights between Daddy and mommy. When he came home after he came home after a long study day, he's very tense and nervous in his subconscious. He doesn't know how to express it out. But he's nervous, and maybe it's not maybe for sure. It influences his behavior, and then we start yell at him or criticize him. This is another damage for another radio show. But now he always in standby when going to be the next time my daddy and my mommy is going to fight. You have to change the situation. Find a comely time that you, the couple, can speak together and make some an, an iron agreement. Set a limit that you're not going to cross it because you have something in common which called children. Let's have a decision. We're not fight against our children. There are another close places to do that. It has to be a red line for us. But it's not enough. It's not enough. We have to create positive atmosphere at house. 
And even if you don't interest to go for for consultation to make shalom bayit, and even if right now you are not interesting to improve your relationship, you are in you are in angry. Okay, but both of you interesting do not hurt your child, right? So try to make a limit, a red line, and when you feel you start fighting. Make a reminder to yourself. And it will be easier for you, even if you fight right now with your husband. Tell to yourself, I'm not doing it for my husband. I'm doing it for my beloved children. I want to protect their soul. Please, you don't know how many damage we can teenager. You cannot even imagine to yourself because, especially in our public, the Haredi public, we try to hide it. Do you know how many phone calls, how many requirements I got here in Israel from extra ultra orthodox families? You cannot imagine if I counted it. So I'm talking about a situation that already damaged, but let's try to minimize the damage. Okay, you have damage between you and your husband, okay. Even if you think to divorce, okay. But wait a minute. There's children aside. There's children in the middle. Don't hurt them. Please don't hurt them. They have enough pressure of studies pressure from their teachers, pressure from their actually the develop the naturally development of their own body and soul. It's also a process that takes a lot of sources. A lot of powers from their little personality. Please have mercy on your own child. Make a red line. I'm not going to cross it. Whatever will be. It's just for minimize the damage. And on the other hand, try, even if it's very externally, it's outside behavior, it's not real, but try, try to be nice to your husband. And you try to be nice to your wife especially in front of the children. Try to minimize the damage. And if there are some listeners that they think that it's not so terrible, oh, oh, don't go so far, it's not like this. Believe me, I am the one who meet the results of years of this situation. But after it's all blow out, this is uh, uh, this problem actually from the sort of something that we worth to hiding, and this is not the way. Please, dear parents, <clears throat> dear parents, please have mercy on your children. 
You can keep sending us text messages, and Bezat Hashem, we will take them right after a short musical break. A phone number for your text messages, 347-927-8398. I repeat, 347-927-8398. If you want to call in, 718-683-5858. Also, um, let me to remind you, if you want to register to our parents, uh, parental workshop, uh, in New York in, on December, on the end of December. Phone number for details, 347-893-9994. Right now, we are going to a small musical break. Right after that, we'll be with your question. I know we didn't have a sufficient time to complete this issue. Bezat Hashem, I hope we have the chance to do it on the next week also. Small music a break, and we'll be right back on air. Stay with us.
to the specific question. But, as usual, Be'ezat Hashem, I will tell you, um, I will tell you uh, in general line guidance how, how you have to deal with teenager. I always emphasize that Chazal teached us that there is something which called Gil Chinuch. Gil Chinuch means there is an age till when, up to when you can educate your child. Teenager, if you mean for 14 or 15 years old, this is almost the end of Gil uh, Chinuch, of the age that you really have uh, an impact on your child. And Shlomo HaMelech said, Ki lo tuchal lichlo et aruach. It's mean, um, you cannot put the spirit, spirituality, into a cage. Because it's something spiritually. It's not a material thing. I mean, parents can rule their child's body. But they cannot rule their child's soul, their child's spirit. And dear listeners, I'm begging you. I saw a lot of sad cases that the source there's something in common about all those cases was only one you know what is it the parents actually was thinking they can rule their child um, behavior we cannot rule our child's behavior. We cannot rule our child's spirituality. We do can rule um, their body. I mean, I can set an hour. That's the time I want you to wake up in the morning. That's the time I want you to eat. That's the time I want you to take a shower. I wouldn't give you anything if you wouldn't bless for what you're eating. I can force you to say hello. I can coerce you to say Birkat uh, Amazon, blessing after food. I can control your external behavior. But it, but it says nothing about what is the values your child internalizing in his life? And in most of cases, as much as you force him and you try to control his external behavior, the very fact that you're acting like that makes him getting far and farther than you think in his, inside his heart. And then, when he getting to teenager, if he has the enough and courage, he's going to be out of the way. And not only out of the way, he may to develop a great hating to the values you so try to inherit him. 
Uh, how much? Uh, how much this issue is painful? It's it's really difficult for me to speak on it. Believe me, I in the last week I had so many sessions, sad sessions, just because of that point. In the last week, I had a radio show in another radio station in Israel. And the first call on air was a 16-year-old girl who cries to me on air and tells me, I am the sacrifice of my cruelly parents. What can I do now? And in a lot of cases, they... The, the senior son, the older children, taking responsibility, they feel guilty about the rest of their brothers and sisters at home. They feel, I have to protect them, but I cannot. And they have guilty feelings. And all these sad cases, for what? Why? Because we didn't have the ready to, to learn something, to change a little bit our atmosphere in the home. Why, why, why? Think about it in small details. You can change the whole atmosphere in your house in a few small steps. So what is the matter with us? Why we just work to ignore the facts of the life until it's blow up in our face? Why? I'm sorry for my uh, explosion. Well, to your question, how to discipline your teenager? The very sad answer, you cannot discipline her or him. But you can do very important thing. First step, try to remove the old criticized house, no matter what your son or your daughter does. Second, do not pass, do not miss a day without three compliments at least, but honest and real compliment. Third, you can make kind of agreement, unofficial agreement with your teenager. I mean, you want to eat in this house, you want to sleep in this house, you want to live in this house, okay. We have a condition. You know George Bush, when he visited in the Kotel Amaravi, the Western Wall, he put a yarmulke on his head, despite he's non-Jewish. Because every guest knows to respect his hostess, right? You don't pay, pay me for nothing here in this home. But I demand you a property, uh, uh, pro property behavior. I want you to behave. I have a few conditions. That's the way you have to behave in our, in, in our home. There is time to eat. There is time to come back from outside. You cannot get uh, uh, come back at home 
when it's too late and I want to sleep. You're down to low to play uh, non-Jewish music in front of your brothers and sisters. You have some rules. But I know my advice is very dangerous because if the, the general atmosphere, the general relationship between you and your teenager is already critical, this step may be the cause for him to leave the house out. So if in general the relationship is great and you have warmth and love, but you have some issues, you know, with the discipline of the teenager, then you can act the way I told you. But if it doesn't, it may be danger. I just recommending you to get a private consultation because I believe there is no uh, problem without a solution. And I wish you a great atzlacha. Um, dear listeners, before we take the next question, uh, we remind you, you can keep and send us your text. Uh, the phone number for texting, 347-927-8398. That's 347-927-8398. If you want to call in, or you can, uh, if you're embarrassed to call in because of the topic, you can just leave your question by Iran. Phone number, 718-683-5858. Um, before we continue with your question, I would like to remind you um, that we have a parenting workshop, um, a really special workshop for you. Um, we have a morning studies in Brooklyn in English, and we have uh, evening studies in Queens in Hebrew. Uh, we have six sessions, very intensive studies. It's going to be very concentrated. Um, it's two hours and a half per session. For six sessions, it takes place on uh, two weeks. We can learn the all basic topics, the all basic issues in education step by step, step by step. In the end of the course, you will get a special uh, booklet with a lot of pages and actually make the summary of all our sessions. So let me personally inviting you. We have a limited spot because we want uh, a small classes. And small classes mean uh, 25, maybe 30 spots. That's it. Not more than that. So if you want to get some details and you want to register to our parenting workshop, call now 347-893-9. 4. Uh, the course actually starts on December 29. Uh, it's two weeks away, and Bezat Hashem, uh, the registration is almost done. So last, place, last uh, spot, reach Ilana, 347-893-9994. 
let me to remind you that if you want a private consultation for free, of course, uh, from me by the phone, you can call me to my American number every night between 10 through 12 midnight Israel time. And every Wednesday right after this radio show, my personal phone number, 917-8094-944. Now, um, we're going to a little, let's hear a little promo of uh, my next visit on this month. And we'll be right back with the rest of your questions. Stay with us. Hello, my fellow friends. This is Abraham Barzilai from Harayat Anulat Show here in JWEC Radio. Just like every year, I will visit in New York this year too, Emir Tzayashem. But today, we have something fresh. I'm glad to announce that we open a new professional parenting course in Brooklyn and Queens. It includes six intensive sessions, morning school and evening school. If you want to join me to an unbelievable journey, call now, 347-893-9994, 347-893-9994. See you there. Well, uh, we hear it, and now to the rest of your question. I've got an email. Um, talking about a uh, 12-year-old daughter that actually has anxieties at night. And as much as I can understand from uh, that long email, that actually uh, the fears, the anxieties actually come uh, coming uh, specifically at night. And um, it's because of some reasons, but... We all know that there is two options in general for anxieties uh, by children. The first is expressions of warmth and love in childhood. I mean, the great need, uh, and this is not the time to uh, extend this issue, but we all know, and we have a lot of uh, previous lectures about this topic, that the great basic need of a child's soul, especially in childhood, is the deep need to feel that I have some corner in the world that I accept, I accept it as I am. Someone loves me. I'm important to, for someone. And the someone is parents. And I want to tell you, naturally, if we don't make an effort to create in our hands atmosphere with warmth and love, naturally, it's not going to happen. Because we had a lot of things in a day. We had a lot of pressure in our life. We need, we're always reaching for panasa. We're looking for hatzlacha. We're looking for, for our own career and everything else besides children. Father and mother who doesn't put an effort and they don't aware of the fact that they have to be creativities to create positive atmosphere in the heart in the in the house, they actually make the opposite. And when the child feels that he lacks this great need 
start to respond, and the response actually getting different between from one kid to another. One kid can respond to be uh, wild, and one of them can be uh, to retreat and to be so close, doesn't want to share anything, doesn't want to speak with his parents. And another one can develop anxieties. The second uh, cause of anxieties is lack of discipline. Uh, I want to say is that discipline actually, the idea behind the discipline, one of the ideas behind the discipline is I want to demonstrate in front of my child to make him feel that there is very strong hand with firmness which lead my son, which leading him. He is not without uh, someone who is watching him. I know that if someone watching me or leads me, sometimes is going against my own will. But despite the fact it's uncomfortable for that moment, in the general picture, I internalize the value I'm not alone. I have parents. I cannot do whatever I want. I have strong parents. When I, when I say strong parents, I'm not mean, mean parents that hate their child to show him how strong I am. I'm not talking about aggression. I'm talking about firmness, calm firmness. When the parents always keep calm, being, being calm, and they have their parent, they, their firmness. The child internalizes the feeling that he is not, he's not in the world alone. He has someone which leads him. Someone would never let him do whatever he wants. So even if it's uncomfortable for him in some chances. But during the time, he developed the whole picture that I'm safe. The world is a safe place to growing in. It's make him relaxed. So, the other side of this issue actually will be anxieties. Anxieties mean I'm scared. I'm not feel comfortable. I'm scared. The world is a place that's carrying me. Just try to imagine what's happened with that guy, with that little child, that he's suffering also from his mora. So in one hand, he has the pressure of his mora, of his teacher. On the other hand, the helpless of his parents. What do you expect from him? I will be very wondering if he won't make any problems, if he won't make any troubles. That I will be very surprised. And when he actually did something, we're angry with him. Because we don't even think about him, about his personality. 
very difficult to say, but let's face it. We cruel on our children. I have no other word. We cruel. And why? Just because we didn't have the time to think, to try to get out of our perspective, getting into his perspective. Just try to close your eyes. Try to imagine yourself instead of your child. How you look like in his perspective. Sometimes you, dear mother, screaming at your child, and you can hear in your own voice how it's cracking, and how you actually begging to be aside your mother right now. You feel that you actually need your mother right now. But this is your perspective. Think about your child perspective. What about him? He sees a great scary mother, her face getting red. She angry. She always bitter. And he has so little small personality. So soft personality. Even if he seems wild. There is no such a thing wild child. They're all sensitive in, in their inside. And precisely those who seem to be wild and they show they don't care about you, most of them much more sensitive than the others. But we don't think about it. We don't think about it. Why? Don't we think that there is Yom Adin, the doomsday, that after we're passing Hashem will ask us, did you try it? Okay. You didn't be the most experts. Okay. But you did try it. I gave you, I gave you a soul. I gave you I gave you a, a deposit. Did you try to taking care of it as well? Did you try to think what your child is going through? Where is your mercy? In your prayer, you ask for mercy from me. What about your mercy on your own child? You can find a great, chashuv, very important father, very religious. That he asked in his prayer, Avinu, Malkenu, please, my father, feel all, make all my wishes come true, because you are my father. And Hashem tells him, I behave to you just like you behave to your own children. 
why do you expect for better attention? Just try. We have a few deposits in our home. This is Neshamot of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's not us. They don't belong to us despite the fact that we born them. They don't belong to us. What do you think? You can do to your child whatever you want. If you're nervous, you're reactive. What do you think to yourself? Hashem has a stronger hand than you. And Hashem acting what you do to your child, Hashem is going to do with you. Please, parents, have mercy on your child. Try to help them. So to your question, anxieties, 12 years old, you have to ask yourself, do I express my warmth and love in front of my daughter? Or maybe I always use criticize. Do I discipline her in the healthy way so she feels that she is growing in a safe place? She have her parents' protection or not? Dear listeners, I believe that you want to learn more. We have a special parenting workshop in the end of December. If you want to register yourself to the workshop, call now 347-893-9994. And that's it. They're listening as um, uh, our uh, radio show actually getting to its end. And uh, let me to remind you my phone number if you want to uh, getting an advice. You can call me every night. Um, between 10 p.m. through 12 midnight, Israel time, of course. And uh, my American phone number is 917-8094-944. Also, if you want to set an appointment uh, with me when I come into New York on this month, you can call 347-893-9994. I really want to give a special thank to Iran Jacob for uh, taking care for all the technical issues and actually bringing my voice to your radio. Thank you very much. I really want to appreciate uh, Nisim Lazari, the manager of this holy station, which always broadcasting Torah, Torah, and Torah. And Hashem will give him a lot of powers to stand very strong against the old bad uh, winds against him and Bezat Hashem it will be uh, a lot of blessing and health and powerful to continue on despite all the difficulties especially uh, the financial difficult of the radio uh, station and I really want to thank to Mrs. Ilana for taking care of, uh, for all my next visit Bezat Hashem this month in New York and we will be on air back in the next week. Bye-bye.